Hello, everybody. Welcome to Catfish Weekly, episode 59. Uh, tonight we're just going to be talking about catfish. I myself am pretty sick. I'm probably not going to be doing a lot of talking. Uh, so, but I'll, I'll jump in a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, if you guys have questions or you want to talk about something in, in particular in chat or whatever, uh, post it up and, and we'll try to talk about it a little bit, but we're going to probably just jump all over the place and talk about whatever tonight. So, um, go ahead and kick it off for us there if you want, Chuck. Yeah, I was wanting to go over some, uh, you know, what everybody does, what they look for when they mark spots, um, you know, when they're, uh, you know, out pre-fishing or just riding around the lake, fun fishing or whatever. Um, you know, at first I was loading up my chart with, you know, every tree I would find and all this, but now, um, you know, I've got to where you eye out stuff more and, and you know, you're, um, you know, more picky about what you mark. And, you know, I'm a lot better in knowing, um, you know, where to go start looking, you know, what, the way the current's swinging around the river where a, a, a creek may be coming out, and I'll just go look in little certain areas and mark stuff now it's just, instead of just everything when I go down the river bank. Um, Lyle, what do you look for when you're going around look, you know, marking spots and uh, so you know, so you can go back and fish them later. Well, you know, we when we go out um, for a tournament or fun fishing, either one, it's basically the same thing. We we do a lot of looking in different areas, and um, one of my favorite places to look at is off the ends of, and behind wing dikes, even in front of them. Sometimes um, those type of spots seem to work really well for me. Uh, I like creek channels where they come in, and I'll check below them, above them, uh, out right in front of where a creek will dump in. And if there's a um, color change on the water, if it's stain coming out of the creek and clear in the in the main river or lake, uh, to me that that's an ideal spot. Uh, also, along places like that, you usually find some structure, brush piles, and different things like that. And um, even if I don't mark a fish. Sometimes I'll fish there knowing they should be there, but most of the time with with the side imaging, down imaging, and the 2D sonar, usually if there's one in there, you'll get uh, to find him without a whole lot of trouble. But uh, there is times when current is, is uh, so much where we're at that you won't pick them up and they'll still be there. But those are some of my key areas that I really, really like to look for. Um, in the summertime, when we're drift fishing, I like to get out in the main current uh, on the river and uh, search those spots out because a lot of times they'll be holding fish and, and we'll make a pass up through an area uh, and then move over uh, 30, 40 feet or more and uh, make another pass up through it. And if I don't see something, you know, fairly quick, then we'll move on to another area. But uh, uh, a lot of it also depends on whether it is a lake or a uh, a river, <clears throat> you know, what kind of body of water we're fishing, but um, those, those are key areas for me, and uh, I know when we was down in Alabama, you and I talked a little bit, Chuck, about about structure on, on uh, Wheeler, and um, compared to the lakes that I have around here, there's a lot of structure on Wheeler, um, 
some of the lakes up here we have some structure, but usually it's not. Or if there's a structure like that around here, I haven't found too much of it. Uh, like I say, there there's some areas that have some, and uh, those places like that, I'm really looking for them creek channels where they dump in and and uh, stuff like that. But for the most part, we don't have uh, the amount of structure in in our lakes that what you guys have down there. I was I was amazed at the amount of structure in Wheeler. It, I really was. There was a lot, a lot of stuff going on and and uh, nearly every place we went down there held fish. So uh, uh, it, it was pretty awesome actually. Yeah, the, these lakes down here, they were, you know, uh, the Tennessee River was getting dammed up in the 30s and 40s. Um, you know, they didn't prepare very much when they, uh, you know, flooded them rivers. If you get right out of the main river channel, you'll see you know, barns, you'll still see old fence rows. Um, you know, you may see, um, you know, all kind of road beds. If, if you're looking in the in the shallow flats on your uh, on your graph, uh, on your chart, you'll see, you know, road beds, all kind of stuff, and uh, house foundations. And you know, you you start picking those things out, you know. Um, you know, they make some really good heavy structure to fish. I've fished some stuff that, um, you know, like an old barn, um, you could tell how it was still fell over. You could still see, you know, the, the, the corners on the foundation. Um, you know, a lot of it wasn't there still, but the footprint of it was still there. You know, and stuff like that I always hold really good fish. Um, you know, a story I heard about Gunnersville. Uh, the, when they dammed it up, uh, it, it it went a a totally different way, filled up a totally different way than they thought it would. Um, you know, they they had they had some areas ready, um, and it totally went another way, and and you know filled up a bunch of pastures, and um, you know just about a whole whole city that it wasn't even supposed to get near. Oh, um, really? Yeah, when they when they planned it, so you know. Uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, impounded lakes that have been dammed up. You know, they're just full of structure, flooded timber. Um, you know, you got you got woods that was just flooded out. Um, you know, the the treetops probably stuck out of the water at the time, and um, you know, it just makes great fishing. Um, we got um, Truman Lake in the Ozarks, where I do quite a bit of fishing actually, and. Uh, Truman especially has a lot of standing timber, and uh, I know when when the bait gets up in them areas, uh, I'll come back away from that a little bit, and I'll fish the areas back away from where the bait is at, and it seems to me like that I can't ever catch the fish under the bait, but the ones back away from it, they're like staging to get in there or something, and those are the fish I try to target when I find an area like that. Yeah, um, you know, when I got this small hummingbird I got, you know, I, I saved up and I got the max I could get, and it was like I got it used. Um, well, a guy got it new on a boat, and he had a bigger one, so it was it was new used. But, um, you know, it was a whopping $1,100. And, um, you know, the things I, I started doing with it right off the bat that um, I was watching every video I could. And, you know, marking a spot... Um, as you're going over it 
and, and bringing your cursor over to it, marking that exact same structure even after you've already passed it, and it's showing up on the exact grid coordinates, and you can go back up river, uh, you know, 100 feet from it or 150 feet from it and know exactly how far you are to that exact log you marked. I mean, that stuff was just blowing my mind, and it totally changed the way I fished. And but, it does. It changes the way a lot of times that I'll set up on fish. Oh, yeah. And, one, and, one real quick thing that people, a lot of people seem to forget about, like, precision anchoring and things is the where their, where their actual bait and line drops, it actually pulls closer to the boat on the deeper the water, and they forget that. Mm-hmm. So, you have to think about if you're if you're actually thirty yards back and you're thirty, you know, thirty or forty feet deep, you might need to give another, you know, fifteen yards out on your cast to get that bait to actually fall right there. Even yeah, that... even, even with even with uh, just a little bit of of pressure of uh, free spooling and everything, if you've got a little bit on it, it's still going to pull closer to the boat. Yeah, that that's why like on side imaging, uh, you know, it shows uh, the length away from the boat. It also includes the depth of the water channel. So you know, if you're uh, when you're straight down, it shows you're at 30 foot right there, and then you know, 30 foot from that, you're at 60. So really, 30 foot from straight below the boat's really 30 foot out. But on side imaging, it's telling you 60 foot. You know, so when you when you cast, you know, you, you cast that extra 30 foot, and then after it sinks, it'll swing on in and hit about in the right spot. Um, you know, coming out the back of the boat, you don't have your side imaging to measure that. But, you know, when you're a fishing structure that's off to the side and you're trying to get... Just froze up. Yep. Right on the side, that's the way I do it. I just look at the total feet, and I know about how far I need to cast for it to swing down and hit in the right spot. Yeah, a lot, there's a lot of times where I almost like to have, like where I'm wanting to fish at, I, I would almost prefer the back of my boat be five yards away from it. So I don't have to sling real hard, to re- and I know how deep I am. I can just cast it out, and I'll, you know, 15 yards out or whatever, and I know that I'm going to get right in that, um, right in that hole. Yeah, Bob. I've also noticed, uh, you know, especially fishing aluminum boats. Um, you know, the further back I get, it seems like the uh, the faster they hit. I think when you're really close, uh, you know, the echoes of the aluminum boat and stuff, and and plus the shadow that's coming down on them. They know something's going on up there, and they're a lot more skittish. But I like fishing closer to the boat, too, but it seems like when I cast out further, I get hits quicker than if I'm fishing you know, more vertical or at 45-degree angle. It, um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the noises around the boat and, um, you know, some banging and weights hitting and stuff like that, I think it can really spook fish when you get really close to them. You think it's worse doing that on, on rivers or lakes, Chuck? What's that? The the way noise affects them. Uh, I think it's uh, worse on lakes. I think, I, I, think, I think lakes, too. I think 
especially big rivers and stuff, the fish are so used to the barges that are clanking and all yep. the boat traffic. And yep, I agree too. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think it makes a huge difference at night. Um, oh yeah, nighttime. Uh, you know, I, I totally use. Uh, you know, I believe in no, uh, noise discipline probably more than light discipline at nighttime. You know, I'd, I'd rather the flashlight um, skim across the water four or five times than uh, drop a number 10 sinker in the bottom of my boat. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, of course, you know, we have a pretty good floor in the boat, our boat, and it's got carpet, and I'm thinking about doing away with that and putting in rubber mats uh, just because they are easier to clean and such as that, but uh, any sound deadening at all will help a great deal. And you're right, if you have an aluminum boat, bottom boat uh, with no floor in it, and that's got to be detrimental to your fishing if you're dropping weights like that in it or something else. But uh, uh, you know, everybody has whatever it is that's comfortable or works for them as far as fishing, but. Uh, you know, anything that noise deadening and stuff, and I agree, at night uh, there is a big difference, and and uh, shadows and stuff really don't bother me all that much, because most of the time the water where I'm at is muddy enough that it's not going to affect them down after four or five feet at most, so that doesn't really uh, make a whole lot of difference to me. Yeah, I, I read a book, I read an article um, with Jim Moyer, and uh, you know he had in his article that um, he he would have his he would be putting his very last pole out, and if he dropped an anchor in the boat, he would reel everything in and go find another spot. You know, and and Jim's a good old guy, a really outstanding fisherman. So you know, if he believes in that, it's worth thinking about. I guarantee you. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that it totally surprised me that he would do that, but you. Know, said, you know, drop, dropping that sinker in the bottom of the boat could mean you just, you know, that's that's his trophy hunting. When he was out trophy hunting, that's, um, you know, he said that right there, just lost a big one, you know. He, well, you know, and guys like, like Jim Moyer is, uh, in his day is, is someone like, to me like Jason Matheny is now and, you know, Ryan Casey and Jason Jackson, some of the guys that I guarantee you if Jason Matheny tells me that if I drop a sinker in a boat, I ain't going to catch a fish. You know, I'm taking that to heart because Jason is such a good fisherman. He puts a lot of great fish in the boat. But uh, uh, when Jim Moyer or, or, or uh, some of them old guys that, that has been doing this all their life and with tons more years' experience than all of us, uh, when they say something like that, uh, it's kind of like E.F. Hutton. You better have your ears open and be listening. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, the, the article I was reading was wintertime catfishing, and um, he didn't say that, you know, explain it all the time if he would do it at any time, but he was just talking about if he was hunting a trophy catfish and if he dropped the weight in the boat, he would he would move right then. So, it, you know, that's the noise discipline is very, very important. Um, you know, you, you can go out with a bunch of friends and, and, you know, have five people in the boat and, and – you know, be hooting and hollering and, uh, you know, catch, pulling some fish in the boat. But, you know, if you're after that personal best or whatever, um, you know, that's – I'm very, very particular about it. Yeah, and, and where you're at, you, you've got a uh, 
you've got to, every time you go out, you know, Wheeler is, 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 is to, reminds me so much of going to fish in St. Louis and, uh, you know, with all the commercial fishing we have up here, St. Louis is one of the, the bright spots in our area because every time you go down there, you got a chance at a state or world record and Wheeler's like that too. And, uh, you know, when you make the trip down there, uh, places like that, uh, you don't want anything anything to deter you from, from the possibility of a great fish. So, you know, if, if it means not dropping a sinker, then you tie a strap on it and hold it to your butt or whatever. That way you don't make the noise or you don't put the light out or whatever it is that you think is, is causing you a problem. You want to make sure that you got every opportunity to land that great fish. Oh, yeah. Well, Scott Manning in chat said that this week they raised over $7,000 in donations for the Fishing for Soldiers and Wounded Warriors project, and he wants to give a great big thanks to Whisker Ware, Captain Mike Mitchell, both who donated, and our Catfish Weekly fans. Uh, so big thank you to everybody. Awesome. You know, that's a very worthwhile project they got going down there. And I, uh, I know Chuck, uh, former military, and, and, and Scott is too. Um, I mentioned it before, both my sons was in the Army, so it's very dear to me. And and the uh, people that's helping them out, anytime that you get an opportunity to help our soldiers, uh, you need to make sure you do it because, you know, they've earned it and we owe it to them. Yeah, so, yeah, as far as the noise and stuff, myself, you know, I, don't, I, I think that shallow water, you know, the same thing with, like, I guess the, the people that say, you know, having your... Uh, having your, your fish finder turned on. You know, they, they feel it affects flatheads more than other fish, but also other fish in the shallower water. Uh, that's kind of the way I think of it. I mean, I there's plenty of times where I just chunk my anchor out in front of the boat, and, you know, I've caught plenty of decent fish when I'm anchored up, and I've just plunked it out there. And There's also times where I try to gently slip that anchor in the water as, you know, quietly as possible. I guess it's just how deep the water is, what I'm doing exactly. And... Yeah, well, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, that, that anchor can, you know, it can make a lot of noise too. That's why, you know, having rubber mats and stuff on your front deck and, you know, if you have a, a you know, a nice anchor storage, you know, have it nice and padded because when you get to that spot, you know, and most of the time you, you're starting to, you know, start going, you know, the current's taking you back at about two mile an hour, and you're doing everything in a hurry. So, um, you know, have that anchor ready and try not to bump it on your boat because, you know, it could ruin your day. Well, I was talking about doing uh, when you throw the anchor out in the current that your rope makes a lot of noise in the water and that they like to tie off to a tree or just use the uh, rolling motor. Oh, yeah, it makes a lot. It whistles under that water big time. I, one of the things that's going on around me, and I know it's just, you know, it could be something that happens, I guess, around the country, and, and one of the things that I'm noticing is that we have what's what they're calling the Mounds Lake Project, and it's basically a project that they're trying, they're in like stage three of the development, you know, and the logistics and everything like that, and they're thinking of damming up the White River, uh basically the town below me about 25-30 minutes away uh, and basically having the White River uh, 
you know, have a nice, I think like a 2100 acre reservoir. Um, one thing I've noticed though with a lot of things like this is that even though the area that they're talking about and they're proposing is, I'd have to call it just an almost almost unused area for the most part. I mean, it's a lot of just dead dead land, you know. It used to like an old town that used to be good. It's not got anything there. A couple houses now, you know, something where. To me, I can see benefits of it, having the water storage, having, you know, just, they're talking about, you know, when you have a place like that, the waterfront, you know, acreage and stuff, it improves the the uh, property values in the area. You, you start to see nicer communities coming in, things like that. Of course, for us, we see a new fishing area. Um, but you see a lot of, a lot of uh, resistance against it, and I almost feel that, it's one of the things we do as humans where we're a lot of us don't like change and it doesn't matter what the change is it's the fact that it's changed and they're gonna fight it with everything they have because it's change and that's kinda of what I'm what I see right now with going on with this I see a lot of people who are totally against it with no real reason there's a lot of that goes on, and, and uh, you know, we went through some of that with the regs on Truman Lake Ozark, and uh, how the people didn't even know what kind of fish there was in the water, but they didn't want it because it was new, and, it, and even though it's better, and in the back of their mind, they'll never make me believe that they didn't know it was better, uh, at least for the fish, uh, but they wanted to fight it, and sometimes I think they just want to fight things to be fighting something. By the way, last week we're we're sorry that it cut off and it had technical difficulties. It wasn't on our end; it was on uh, Google Hangouts end where it had the problem. We actually went ahead and recorded a whole probably hour and ten minute show, and unfortunately that it stopped recording after that thirty nine minute mark, you know. And so we the the whole rest of the show that we recorded is gone. Um, there was a lot. Stuff on the back end of that show. Yeah, too. It, it got real good after after it cut off for you guys, man. It was, that was when it got entertaining, really. No. <laughs> there was some good stuff in there, though. But yeah, it, it it definitely we were we were hoping that people could go back and just watch it, you know, afterwards. And it didn't end up working out that way. Um, but we apologize. Slackline Catter. Um, is it Russ? I think it might have been Russ or Ross or something like that is his name. Um, Ross he Scott. Was, Ross Scott, yeah. He was the one. He's the one who won for the the giveaway for the hoodie where he put he got the order in first and got his uh, got the information to Rob Cloudfelder that he was sent by Catfish Weekly. So um, hopefully you guys went out and ordered some stuff from him anyway, and you got some nice hoodies and shirts and stuff on the way, and you get to show them off. Make sure you you uh, post up some pictures and stuff on our Facebook page. Um, we definitely want to see people showing off their whisker wear and letting people know that, you know, Catfish Weekly and everything's helping advertise for them and everything, so. But, yeah, the the... One of the things that you know, I'm really, I would really like to see it happen is just that you know, the 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 Mounds Lake that they're talking about, the White River, pretty much from my, it starts not not far east of me, and it's only about two two foot deep most of the time, if that. A lot of guys wade it and smallmouth it and stuff like that. 
I do know there's spots and stuff on this stretch of the river that we found now that hold 30 and 40 pound flatheads, uh, but there's no blues really. They're very rare if there are any. I'd like to see some, you know, an area where I could go 20 minutes from home and have a real chance at decent flatheads being out in my boat and some blues. I'd like to see blues come up above uh, that dam and, and get into that section of the water, and they and they'd be able to hold in that lake area. So. Um, Besides that, one of the other things that I'd like to talk about is the getting ready. Everybody getting ready. What are you doing to your boats? And you know, for your for your new year, do you do you go through and re, are you rewiring things? Or that's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to rewire a whole new switch panel in, and I got new seats coming for my boat. You know, I got the Onyx sitting right here behind me, and um, I got the uh, Altera on order and everything. But, I gotta clean it out. My boat is absolutely—it's been sitting in the garage. It's disgusting. And I gotta get in there and clean it out real good. I am thinking about doing what, what, what Lyle said there too, getting some of them rubber mats and reflooring the boat basically with those uh, colored like purple rubber mats and stuff, purple and red and blue or whatever colors they got. But I'm thinking pink in your boat would be real nice or uh, banana yellow, something like that. Yeah, to match my thong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, building a new live well. What do you guys got going on, Chuck and and uh, Wild? Are you guys doing anything on your boats or? I'm still trying to get the ignition switch put in. I got it all wired up and everything. If it's all wired correctly, I'm sure it is. But uh, I got to put it back in the dash. Uh, I, I'll be going down to. Uh, are you hot? Cold? Jason said my glare off my fit my head. Was me, so. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, I I want to you know generally clean it all up and it's springtime so that means it's time to get pack the wheel bearings and everything and make sure that uh, uh, they're all good to go for the year. I used to do it twice a year, but here lately I've been down to once a year and uh, that seemed to work out really well. But new seals and pack the wheel bearings and check the tires over and I inspect all the wires, make sure they're all tied up and everything while I'm down there underneath of it and uh, lower gear, unit gear grease, uh, change out every year and uh, check spark plugs and stuff, make sure they're all good and uh, I, I don't like having problems out of the water. It happens enough uh, Sometimes, anyhow, but you know, if you can prevent any of it, that's just uh, a few more maintenance-free trips. I don't. What do all? What all you get raised, uh, Chuck? Well, I I don't have very much to do. Um, I think I've got it all about done. I'm just gonna, you know, I got that Bimney top on, and it is, you know, it's only in the way. But so. Um, I would like to get a Bimney too, as well, but. I'm going to have to uh, use it for emergencies only. It's a 100% chance of rain. If not, I'm going to get wet because that sucker's in the way. Well, mine's, mine's not too bad. Uh, mine sets pretty far forward in the boat. Uh, the only the only issue I have with mine is it makes it a little tough to cast sometimes. But if I get up on the tool, the uh, the uh, live well, then I can throw it all right or uh, I can throw from the front. But uh, standing right where the seats are, it is a little tough to cast. But if you're not casting too far, <laughs> it doesn't bother anything at all. But 
the thing I like about them them boys are the uh, the amount of sun on a really hot day. They knock the sun off of you and keep you from getting burnt to a crisp. And uh, it seems like if there's any wind at all, it'll come up underneath one of them tops and and give you a little breeze. And uh, it means a lot to us old heavy duty guys. I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna flip mine around. And instead of leaning it toward the back, I'm just going to flip-flop it and lean it toward the front deck and, and just take my back support poles and put them in the front. And um, that way it'll still be on the boat. I can still be able to walk under it. And being up there, it won't be in the way like it is in the back. That's a good idea. It'll look a little silly, but uh, it'll be ready. Couple of the guys in the chat here, I heard a couple of them say Onyx, um, and I do I do know that uh, Onyx, you know, I had I had had my order in and and uh, I'm I was waiting for maybe two months or so to get mine, and so I just got it. Um, I would imagine that they would start shipping the Onyxes out just about any time. I do know that um, after the I think it might be the 2.0 update's the last one, but I know they're working on another update, and it's going to be a big update. It might be a couple months out or whatever, but it's it's a it's a big update, and it's going to do a lot of things, especially with Auto Chart Live and things like that. I believe. Um, so that being told, also a couple people on there were saying Helix, and I've been hearing a lot of good things about this Helix uh, unit, and I've been hearing that the 2D the 2D imaging was like very good on the Helix units that they're seeing almost the same 2D from the Helix as they are from the Onyx. So um, I definitely think that that's Humminbird trying to uh, update, you know, their their stuff and, and try to be in, trying to be the best out there, especially with some of the budget series finders that they have. Well, and, and that's what all the major, the quality companies have produced, Quality stuff will try to do is stay up on top of technology and make their product as good as they possibly can, as rapidly as they can, and, and try to stay up on top of the market as for as long as they can. And uh, you know, Hummingbird and Rance, all them guys do a really good job of that, and they're always coming up with new stuff and and new technology, and uh, it's just all that competition is just better for us as fishermen. Uh. I hope this is better for you, Jason, because I'm hot back here. Now here I got this hat, this shirt on my head. <laughs> I'd say he just needs to get a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, get some sunglasses, Jason. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm my shiny head. Yeah, oh, oh Justin and Tabitha, oh Justin and Tabitha tore it up again. They did pretty good for that river bend, like it was when they went I'm down. Telling you right now, them two got it going on. They took a gentleman with them this weekend, and he done. I think if I read correctly, put the biggest fish in the boat of the weekend. Yeah, and um, uh, Jason Kittner uh, with uh, Catfish in America, he's heading back to the East Coast, and he's going to be staying with Ray Stitcher for, you know, I think 12 days, and they're going to be fishing the Potomac and the James River every day for 12 days. So we're going to be seeing a lot of good pictures coming in, I do believe. Well, you know, Jason Kittner and I have been friends online for a long time, and, and I had the privilege of meeting Jason uh, down at the Monsters last year, and I really wanted to. Uh, Jason put some really, really good fish in the boat over a few years, and uh, the last few years, and I noticed this morning he had, had uh, 
put up a picture of uh, him and and uh, my little buddy Jacob Stitcher out there, uh, and just what a pig! I mean, that was a giant fish, and and uh, Jason is good for catfishing for a lot of reasons, and uh, I know he helps with the with the show they do out there, but. He's just a really fine guy, and, and him and Ray will have so much of a good time out there. And, uh, you know, they, if, if Rena and, and Jacob gets to go with them, it'll just make it that much better. But I know they're really going to put some time in. Ray's all excited. I mean, I, he's put some posts up where they're going to be doing all this fishing. And I'm like you, uh, I'm looking forward to see the pictures that these guys put up So for us to see. Yeah, well, um from what I understand, Jason Kittner started off fishing with Robbie Robinson and uh, you know, went flathead fishing with him all the time. Then when he moved out to Virginia, uh, he went fishing with Captain Hugh all the time. You so, don't get much better than those two. <laughs> so he, he, he's pretty much got the uh, all the knowledge he needs to be able to do what he needs. Well, now I know there's a lot of great flathead fishermen across the country. Uh, there's a guy out in Kansas, and I'm, I, his name has eluded me for a minute, but uh, you know, he's, he does a lot, a lot of flathead fishing. But uh, there, there's not I, – I honestly believe Robbie Robinson is probably the greatest flathead fisherman in the United States at this particular time. He, yeah. he just year after year puts some of the best fish – uh, in the boat of anybody I know, he releases them uh, so they can go again, and, and uh, uh, he's just real good guy for the sport. And, and you guys that don't see some of Robbie's pictures, you need to look him up. Some of the forums or or uh, on Facebook, and and look through some of these pictures, these flatheads this guy puts in boats, and he's a really nice guy. I talk to Robbie every once in a while, and and he's just a really cool guy to to talk with, and. Uh, just he is the flathead man. He figures out lakes. He just don't go sit on the river bank. He uh, he targets them lakes and, and uh, he he chases them around to you know where he thinks they're going to be and he fishes for them. So well, and and he fishes out of a pond too. Oh yeah, and the bank they'll um, they'll take their baits out you know bank fish and, and take their baits out with the canoe and. Drop the bait in the water and, and bring it back, and they do some sharp stuff when they go out. Yep, yep. He's just a really good, you know. Like I say, uh, all that's my opinion, but but I've followed Robbie for the last several years and seen some just absolutely pigs that he's caught, and and he does some video stuff and posts that up every once in a while, and uh, he posts pictures and videos of them releasing the fish, and like I say, it's it's. He's just a really cool guy. There's been a couple of articles in some of the catfishing magazines about Robbie, and and uh, he just he, he's just the man right now for flatheads. Yeah, he um, and you know he spent a lot of time on forums and stuff, uh, <laughs> hel helping people out. You know, he, absolutely. He, he's answered every question anybody's ever asked him honestly, and uh, yep. you know he gets on there and volunteers everything he knows. He's not worried about telling you what he does. No, he don't. He's not. He, he don't, I don't believe. You know, I'm not 100% on this, but I don't believe Robbie really cares anything about tournament fishing, and that's fine. Uh, if I could catch fish like he does, uh, I would be a lot more interested in tournament fishing. <laughs> and I'm already ate up with it. So, uh, but yeah, he he just he really he's he's the king of flatheads in my in my mind. And uh, 
I've talked to him about coming on the show when he don't have stuff set up where he can do that, and that's a shame because I think he would be a really, really good guy to have on the show. Yeah, he's caught some big blues too. I think he's. Oh yeah. I think he's may have fished with Hugh also too. I'm not sure. You know, there, there's another guy right there um, that we we haven't mentioned too much, but Captain Hugh Self um, is one of the premier guides in the United States. And he's a genuine guy too. He he does things for the right reasons. He's good for the sport. Uh, I don't know anybody that ever ever been on a trip with him that didn't have just everything good to say about him and nothing negative. So that in itself speaks volumes to me. Uh, and, and he's a Cardinals fan. What better could it be than that? You know, he he you know he'll he'll like some of the posts I put up about the Cardinals, especially with. These clowns like Janet and them guys are on me about that. And by the way, uh, Claude and uh, Janet, I got my new Cardinal shirt on tonight. I'm proud of it. And even though you guys are Reds fans, we don't hold that against you. I hold it against all you baseball fans. <laughs> Why do you think I have a radio on my boat? It's to look for the Cardinals, man. <laughs> when they start tackling each other, that's when it's a real sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to some guys that went out with Hugh, you know, and they were like, man, when we got out, I, I was really second thinking in what everybody said about he had us up in four foot of water. Telling it, you know, he's like, I didn't think we'd catch nothing. And all of a sudden, as soon as you get a bite, you could see the fish swirl. It was so shallow. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun right there. Yeah. I mean, that's like the big chat. We had a question, we had a question in chat there that said, uh, what do you guys think about um, opinions on having le electronics over the ability of reading the water? And Clint even said that leave your fish finder at the house and go read the water. It's been good for him, but it's been awful on his prop. <laughs> I can appreciate that. You know, um, I'll give an example of that, and, and I'll, I'll try to explain it. Uh, Danny South and uh, Danny and I talk about Danny a lot and I know a lot of you guys don't know him but when I first started fishing tournaments what, 20 some years ago or however long it's been uh, Danny South and Bob Simmons and some of them guys you know they was the people you beat you went the big tournaments was US cat tournaments and when you showed up and they was there you know you knew that that's who you had to beat to win the money and uh, Danny South uh, unless he upgraded over the winter, and I would doubt it very seriously, has got an old fish finder of some kind. I doubt if I know it don't have uh, uh, um, any new technology of any kind on it, but he can read that river, and, and he fishes it a lot, uh, a lot of days every week. Uh, i never seen him use a trolling motor to drift with. I mean, he drags an anchor out of the front of his boat, he catches some giant fish and a lot of them, uh, and his knowledge is from reading the river. I mean, I, I promise you, he don't rely on that depth finder for anything but depth, uh, and for the most part, I would bet that he don't need it. But uh, Danny is is a he's a really competitive fisherman, and he lays out some. You know, he holds the record for Twisted Cat Outdoors tournaments. Uh, Three fish limit, he, he weighed in 195.2 pounds. And, boys, I'm telling you what, you don't get to see that every day. But 
you know, he, he's consistently putting three good fish in the boat at every time we have a tournament down there. And uh, a guy like that, if 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 he could tell you and would tell you, if you could take the information that someone like that has and put it together with the information that a Ryan Casey or some of these guys that are really, really good at reading electronics, Jason Mathena, some of them guys, Jason Jackson, if you could put the two of them together, you'd have something that would probably be unstoppable. Brian Saunders says he has a hummingbird with down imaging. Danny does? If, if that's the case, he's upgraded since the last time I seen his boat. Because you know, I never did see him with anything but just a little bitty old dinky thing in there. It didn't show nothing. My my opinion on it is that I guess I don't judge anybody. I mean, there's people who have the time to be on the water to and and it's not only I think that's not only being able to read the water. It's it's the fact that you've been on it so much that you know where they go in certain conditions. And I guess, I mean, in a way that's reading water, but in another way that's just knowing the holes. You know what I mean? If you know the specific holes and you're going to fish the same four holes, no matter basically what's going on, then you're not really reading the water. And, you, and, and the only advantage you have is the fact that you know that water better than the guy that doesn't. And the guy that doesn't gets that advantage back by using electronics. And that's, you know, that has to be, if you want a sport to grow, you know, you need to have the guy, both both species of guys, I guess, out there, guys that have enough time to be on the water and guys who are using their fish finders and stuff to to locate things that, you know, maybe even the guys who have always read the water never knew that there was something in a specific area that's holding fish. And, you know, so there, there's definitely advantages both both ways. So... I mean, I don't ever talk down or, or think less of somebody that sl relies solely on their their gut and knowing the river, and I don't the same way with somebody who relies solely on a on an electronics. Um, yeah, the guy with the uh, gut instinct to be on the river has got a little bit more of an advantage because he has that time and the ability to be out there, and you know, if something ever's wrong with a fish finder or something, he's not reliant upon it. But I definitely think there's 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 other scenarios where the guys with the the fish finders have the have the upper hand too. And I th but I I do think that I, I tell people a lot of times that with every fish finder, especially <coughs> the especially the high end fish finders like Onyxes and things like that, it having that information is great and all. But you really have to be able to interpret that information. You have to understand what you're seeing on there. You have to learn and master that fish finder, and that can take years. You know, and, and in in, the, in those years, right now especially, things are changing. You're getting new stuff and, and new things that are showing up on your electronics. So you've got to learn all that stuff, and then they change it a little bit, and you have to learn it all over again in the new way. Well, so, and, and uh, if any time you go out with somebody fishing, uh, whether it be in your boat or their boat, you you can. We always visit about depth finders and settings and this and that, and and it seems to me like everybody I've ever been with, I picked up something from them. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure it was the other way around. I mean, I don't not sure they picked up anything from me, but I know uh, I either seen something that I thought I should try or do, 
or something that I for sure did not want to do. And, and either way is 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 something you're learning. And uh, fishing is a learning experience nearly every time you go out. So uh, if I went out with either one of you two, I, you know, I'm sure in the boat we'd. Uh, be bullying about something and next thing you know I'd pick up a tip that, that maybe you was intending to share or not intended to share either way if you pick it up it's still knowledge learned yeah and, and uh, you know one of the things that I've got planned for this year was that while I was at that Indies Boat Sport and Travel Show um, I was talking with a, uh, a salmon charter captain that's up north here in Indiana on, on the Lake Michigan and you know, we we got to talking about how the different ways that we catfish and drift and troll and and things like that, and and how we've taken a lot of what we do in catfishing from other species of fishing, uh, and and their techniques and and using them in catfishing. And after talking about it, he you know we decided that we'd do a trade off. You know, I'd go out fishing with him on his charter boat on Lake Michigan. Uh, for like coho and and steelhead and all that, and he would show me what he's doing like with planer boards and and the different techniques that they're using, and then I'll take him out and catfish with me and show him some of the things that I'm doing. And he even said that he goes, you know, especially as a guide captain and stuff like that, if you can pick up any little bit of knowledge from someone else uh, and use that in your game while you've got clients and stuff, that just that just helps you as a businessman, basically, and as a person being able to put fish in the boat. Yeah, I, I can see that for sure. But I can't wait to do it. I mean, that's you never know if it, you know, if it's one little thing that that you pick up on, you know, and you start doing it, and then you realize you might figure out that, you know, that is what the Ryan Casey's and and Massengales have been doing all along, and you just start destroying it. You know, I mean, you you figured out that one little thing, and it could be one little thing. You never really know. I mean, for us guys who do so so, and we're not on the top of the leaderboards all the time, we can't say for sure what that guy's doing that's on the top of the leaderboards. If if we knew, we'd be there too. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, that's that's our. Uh, Everybody in this chat and everybody on here and everything—that's that's what we, you know, our our strive is to be as best fishermen as we can, and and to learn more and more. And I don't think there's ever been a person that knows everything there is. I think even the guys who are on top, you know, might end up find, you know, some other guy that tries something new and figures something out might start beating them, and then he'll be on top until they figure it out. Or the next guy, or the guy after that, and by then you better have come up with something new again. Yeah. And, and like I'll tell people right now, and and this is this is the, the God's honest truth. And you watch this show, we have these guys on, we have the Massingales on, we have Dodd on, uh, we have ourselves on, talking about some of the things that we do. And it it really is, if we want this sport to grow, the guys who are even winning need to at some point they need to give away some secrets too. Because if you go back to episode one and you watch Catfish Weekly, you're going to see Lyle talk about how, how Bill Dance basically gave away everything he was doing to win the bass tournaments to create the, the sport bigger, to, to, to really create bass fishing, you know, back when it, before it was bass fishing. He, he wanted the competition. He wanted more people out there doing it. And in order for him 
to get more people out there. He told them exactly what he was doing to win tournaments. And that's kind of what we got to do in catfishing in ways. I mean, there, you don't got to do it, you know, as soon as you figure something out, go out and tell everybody. But definitely if you're, uh, if you're not sharing it with somebody and you're not, you know, helping create the, the passion for the sport that we have and the, and the competition and you're just, you know, trying to control it all for as long as you can, it, it, you're going to burn people out rather than entice them to, to be involved with it more. Well, and, and I, I will say this, if whatever it is that Daryl and Jason Maskell's got going on and Casey Tudorow, you guys need to come give me some of that stuff because I ain't got it figured out. <laughs> I, I'm getting tired of following you guys around, but I enjoy seeing what you do and you guys are awesome. Uh, Casey Tudorow and Java Masters have become, I have become one of their largest fans, and I don't know if they realize it or not, but um, those guys are so impressive with what they do, and they run around there quiet and, and content, and, and they just absolutely consistently put fish in the boat. Daryl and Jason's another pair. They do the same thing. They go out, and they'll they'll pick to a place where they've never been before, and, you know, they'll, they'll get their fish, and they'll be in the running just like, Casey and John are, and then you throw a Jeff Dodd in there and, a, a, you know, Jason Mathena and some of these guys that just all the time, they're right there, you know, and, and you wonder what have they got figured out that I'm not doing, you know, and, and sometimes I, I think, you know, John Jameson's got something figured out, but a lot of John Jameson, I, you know, I honestly think he is just such a student of fishing that he is a wealth of knowledge and and he knows when he goes to an area with the conditions and stuff he's fishing in, he knows where he's got to go to catch them. He knows what it's going to take to catch them. He's got a pretty good idea what bait it's going to be, and he consistently puts fish in the boat. And, and I fished against John a lot, and uh, uh, he don't always catch the biggest fish in the area, but he always catches his, his fish. I mean, he's got fish, and he's, he's right there. Uh, and guys like that we can all learn from by either watching them or if they let something out at some point. But, uh, uh, you know, they're all tough, and there's, they're, it's not just those guys. Them are the ones that just come to the uh, top of my head right offhand, but there's a lot of great fishermen out there uh, that, that are in that boat. They're, they're kind of on a level playing field uh, above a lot of the rest of us, and, and uh, uh, a lot of them will share information with you, and some of them don't, and they may not tell you everything, but if they give you a hint, you got to make the best out of that hand as you can. Yeah, the slack line says, so Fudd is saying we can fish his spots to help the sport grow. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> You've seen the end of every show. <laughs> but but in, in all reality, every spot where the biggest fish were caught to win the tournament was my spot. So that's the way I look at it. That was my spot. Whoever won the tournament, they were fishing my spot. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Larry Mays didn't uh, didn't write up the same thing Chris talked about a while ago. He said, you know, he he'll show anybody anything they want to know about tournament fishing and catfishing, and then it's up to him to defend his game. Um, he said, if they can come beat me at my game, let them. But you know, I'm not scared to tell them anything I know. Um, yeah, that that's it, you know that's a really good attitude to have. You know, if you if you if you take people up under your wing every now and then and get them started and just give them that little push and let them take off, that's usually all it takes. Um, you know, especially it's, you know some of these guys that 
have, have bass fished before and stuff like this. You know, guys that's never picked a rod up before, you know, that may that may be a little different, but you know, you can you can ask people like Jason Malone, Heath Malone. Um, these are guys who never fished the Ohio River. Uh, came down, started fishing the ICA. I, I told them I told them everything I could tell them right off the bat. You know, I told them what kind of baits to use. I said, in, in my opinion, you know, if you don't know the water that you're fishing and you can get to a dam, go to the dam. If you don't know the water, you don't have time to pre-fish. You can get to a dam. Go to a dam. Fish a dam. Uh, I told him, you know, and I'll tell everybody, you know, I, and if you watch our shows, you'll know a lot of the secrets that I have, and that's pretty much, you know, fishing ledges, fishing uh, bins, river bins, inside bins, outside bins, just really depending on what there is, fishing structure. There's a lot of basic things, you know, that we, we tell people that really it's a lot of what it is. Um, it's looking at those things. And then seeing if there's other things that go along. Is there a ledge with, in, you know, with on the inside bend or on an outside bend? How big is the ledge? Is it holding fish? Is it holding the right kind of fish? You know, is it a hole or is it just a whole straight ledge? Is there a flat nearby? Is it a mud flat? Is it a sand flat? Is there a clam bed nearby? You know, a mussel bed. There's lots of things that that come into it and everything and. When we tell you one thing, it doesn't mean that we're telling you everything all the time, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong either. I mean, it, it could be accidentally putting you right on the fish just with the general, general, you know, saying. Now, there's different, you know, of course there's different rigs, there's different um, presentations and different baits, and, and you know, we, we talk a lot about fresh bait being key. You know, Casey Tudor came on the show. That's what he said. He, according to him, that's his secret, fresh bait. That's why they do so good. If you ever fish with him, you got to sign a confidentiality agreement when you get in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I was a marketing director at a boat company, I mean, I, you know, the guys like, the, you know, Tutro and all these teams like this, you know that them guys stand out, and that this is the ones that these other great fishermen, who already have their feet in the door somewhere else, need to help point out to their sponsors. You know, if they're, you know, it's time to, you know, get things out. You know, over and say, hey, there's a guy that's fishing over in the Midwest or on the East Coast. Um, you know, they're young, they're dominating tournaments. You know, look them up. Uh, I'd make them an offer that that really do you good. They're good kids, you know. And we're at the point right now that you know, if these, if everybody just starts helping other guys out, the guys might not might not ever even know that somebody helped them out, and all of a sudden they're approached by a sponsor. Um, you know, that that's the kind of help. Also, besides some fishing tips, that you know the uh, the outstanding guys that already have their feet in the door at places can help the other anglers out also. And you know what what drives uh, a market, I guess, would be um, participation. You know, the number of people that are joining an event. Uh, we got some of the largest events on the Indiana Kentucky border with Rising Sun, uh, Monsters on the Ohio. Uh, multiple 120 plus boat tournaments that we have 
uh, in the area, and and now starting to come, you know, other ones starting, you know, we got a 120 plus boat ICA tournament we have out of Turtle Creek every year, um, and a lot of these tournaments like Monsters on the Ohio, Rising Sun, you're not getting a lot of people who are just intimidated. They don't feel they have the knowledge or the boat or, you know, whatever it might be to get out there and, and fish with these guys. And if the, if we were to give them that that information and make them feel more empowered and 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 you know helping them out and being out there and, and a little like they have a shot, which I I tell everybody all the time, if you've got bait <coughs> in the water, you got a shot. That's right. You know, those fish aren't always sitting in one space. They move, they move, and you might be on the way to where they're going or whatever, and have your bait in there in their in the right place. You know, and, and I just try to. If you get more people involved, you're growing the sport. You know, and, and by getting more people involved, you really have to empower them. You have to make them feel as if they're they're comfortable, not uh, you know, someone that shouldn't be there. They don't. They're not good enough to be fishing against you. Or, you know any of the any of the crap that does happen, and yeah. go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, they and they, you know, you don't see them getting mixed up in all the, uh, you know, the the spon the sponsor war bashing, and you know, it don't matter who your sponsor is, you know, they'll, uh, you know, these guys just get along with you. They'll walk up, you know, talk to you and everything, and, and then, you know. Other guys that are sponsored by the same people, you know, they have to start doing all the bashing. These guys that show very good competitive sportsmanship, and they're getting up there and, um, you know, week after week, setting a good example. They're the ones that are getting approached by sponsors and asked, you know, for for them to come along and you know join their team and stuff. And a lot of other guys are like, man, I fished ten years. I'm, how did you get a sponsor so fast? Um, you know that that's how it's getting. You got to get up there and set a really good example, show sportsmanship. Get up on get up on the weigh-in, even if you've only got three fish. You know, show your sportsmanship. Hang around the whole weigh-in, talk to everybody, and that's what the sponsors are looking for. And um, you know, a lot of good things are going to be happening here next couple of years. I believe that. I, I think that. Uh, as we see more people like Lund and CARC and stuff getting into sponsorship of these tournaments, and, and and it's not just them; it's a lot of other. You guys have to understand that we can't remember all the all the people that's getting involved with them. But there's a lot of other sponsors. Uh, Dave Ashby has done a lot for a lot of different tournament series over the last several years, uh, and Dave's really good with that. Drift Masters, Monster Rod Holders—they all do a lot of good things for tournaments. Uh, Rob with Whiskerware supports several tournament trails. You know, guys like this, when, when they start getting involved with tournaments and and sponsoring these guys and helping them with prizes and awards and different things and, and donating prizes, it forces the other companies to get into it. I mean, it really does, whether they want to admit it or not. If if somebody is giving out three or four hundred dollars worth of stuff every once in a while to a tournament, and you attend those tournaments, you're going to at least look at them when you go to buy your next product. And the guys that aren't doing it, they should be because the other guys will eventually eat them up. Yeah, and I I'm really surprised that we haven't seen any uh, big names in our sport already 
you know, standing up there with a, a progressive or a Geico or, a, you know, nationwide jersey on because, you know, all the other sports, those insurance companies and stuff, they jump on board quick. And soon as one of as soon as one of them jumps on board, you'll see nationwide. Then boom, Geico's got to get in there, and then State Farm, and then you know everybody's got to have boat insurance more or less. And then, I didn't want you to say anything. I didn't want anybody to say anything about that. That's one of the next thing people I was going to be going after for sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to go for the gusto and go after Coca Cola and your Pepsi and get the real money. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the people that's involved in the sport right now, um, I think they're about maxed out, and you know they just can't put keep putting people on and on because instead of adding more people, they need to be trying to help the people they've already got more. Um, and and so, they're not they're not the size of companies like I know. There's very few guys that get tournament entries paid for or even helped with money wise from sponsors. A lot of sponsors that we have in catfishing just aren't of the size to where they can really do that on any scale at all. I mean, they might have one or two people that they can help out like that. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, if you can get companies like Progressive or Geico or Coca-Cola, that's when we're starting to take the sport to that next level. There's all these levels, and that is definitely a next level where they're helping guys pay for hotels and and, you know, Entry fees and, and things like that. There's there's a few guys that get that done for them, but there's not very many. Yeah, that's so, when don't get that. That's when people get to start following these national trails a little bit more, and you know, running for Angler of the Year. You know, there's only a few different people that you know are really eligible to go fish most of the tournaments and and try to become Angler of the Year and stuff. It takes a lot out of your time to be able to do that, and well, and it takes you know, a lot of cash. Yeah, and the more sponsors we can get on board, um, you know, thinking outside the box is going to be the big deal here in the next couple of years. People's going to have to get out there and, um, you know, try to get the sport more recognized, beat on some doors, and, and try to open up new doors, um, you know, and getting, you know, starting to get the sponsors in, and then the other ones will jump on board after they come on. Uh, and, and it's coming to that, and and uh, you was you was very spot on about the the deals with with sponsorships and and the feuding and stuff. And I don't want to get involved with a bunch of that, uh, but I'm telling you, fellas, the sport cannot grow without them. It, it cannot. It will max out, and that's as best and as much as it'll ever be. But these kind of companies are the ones that puts the money into the sport, and we have got to get them and support these people. And and when you get a sponsor, you've got to show him that you want to be there and that you're going to take care of him. And uh, you know he'll do things for you. I, you know it's just the way it is. And uh, for our sport to grow and get bigger, and I don't ever see it the size of bass fishing, just simply because it got started and marketed very well from the very beginning. And and we as catfishermen did not do that. It it got a slow start and it wasn't marketed correctly and for the large part it's still not marketed correctly as far as promoting it for such things as TVs and stuff like that. Now it's all going to come eventually but uh, we're years, years behind uh, bass and crappie fishing. For well and, and we've also got a, a handicap starting out with a stereotype. You know we've got a stereotype. Yep I agree. 
So we're, we started off with a disadvantage there. I mean, but, you know, like you said, we're getting there. It's definitely moving. It's progressing. We're going up levels. Um, you know, there are there are things that happen. And, and, you know, sponsorships is a whole other episode. We can talk about that later. But, you know, as far as, uh, you know, doing everything else, you know, you just got to – you got to do what you can for the sport, like like we're talking about. Help help out with the knowledge. Get more people involved. You know, even getting the kids involved. Getting um, <laughs> fishing your undies and ask for a Hanes sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of runs in line with you and Rob and the bottoms and tops. And, yeah. Yeah. I guess they could have some stains, and we could get Clorox as a <laughs> as a sponsor. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> I don't know what it was on Facebook or something, but they were talking about the the yellow in the front and the brown in the back underwear, and it, and it already had pre-stained, and it was some sort of joke thing with some pre-stained underwear, whitey tidies. <laughs> uh, I've got a pretty good one that I like. Cardinals tide washing the crap right out of your shirt. You know, ask Chris Workman; he can tell you about that. That's one of the one of the things I was gonna to say too was about bass fishing, um, bass fishing and catfishing. You know, a lot of people think, well, catfishing can't be made. You know, it won't look as fun on TV. That's not the case, because in all honesty, you might not know, but them bass fishing episodes where they're catching all in bass, that that can be a week, that can be two weeks of filming. You know, that's not them going out and slaying them bass in one afternoon most of the time. And in the same way, we could do the same exact thing with catfishing. You can make catfishing have episodes and look good when they're catching a nice fish, and, and it's entertaining, and you know you have the competition going on. You know, there's there's lots of ways that the same way they market bass fishing, catfishing can be done the same way and be promoted the same way and have the same sort of uh, advertisement money come into. I believe with the weigh-ins, it can it can be more exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, you have a big big uh, basket of bass, and you're going to have what twenty twenty five pounds. Yeah, forty miles. You know, the first the first fish that's weighed in at, at the average catfish tournament could eat them all right there, one white. So, I, I think I said this before too, but we was at Truman Lake one time. Uh, at a tournament, and for some unknown reason, they scheduled a bass tournament and a catfish tournament at the same day, at the same ramp. Uh, just so happened, the people running the tournament was late getting there, which made it a little easier for launch. But you know, the bass guys all got took off, and we got took off, and we come in and, and to, to weigh in, and they're set up one place weighing in fish, and we were setting up in another place weighing in fish, and. You know, they're weighing in two, three-pound bass, and we start dragging them cats out of there. And, uh, you know, their crowd just immediately left and come over to watch the, the real fish being weighed in because that's what the difference is. It's a real fish and a bait fish. When you have two tournaments like that, and the biggest thing they got to weigh in is three and a half, four pounds, and that's the smallest thing that we weighed in that day at that tournament. And the people just absolutely just left them standing there holding the bass. There has been a few ICA tournaments where the lake that we went to has had a bass tournament on the same day, and like you're saying, a lot of times you'll see a lot of their crowd. If there's, you know, that that's people's wives and friends and stuff, and they're leaving to go watch, 
you know, these yeah. catfish brought in. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. It uh, is pretty funny. I'd rather see, even if it's, you know, 15-pound channel cats, they'd rather see that than the bass, you know, the three-pound bass or whatever. And, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and there's, there's not a lot of bass tournaments that, that you watch weigh-ins, and there's very few that have five, six-pound bass. Now, it happens, but there's a lot higher percentage of the big fish being two-and-a-half, three pounds than there is five or six. Now, Ron says lures sell fresh bait. Don't. Well, that's not the only thing. And, and and not only that, I mean, just because bass fishing has a ton of gimmicks and things that may or may not work or work at a very low level, catfishing can, you know, it needs that too. I mean, honestly, you know, it has to have those, that product money coming into it, even if it's bad products that, and not saying that, you know, I'm going to be a sponsor for them or Lyle's going to be a sponsor for them, but if they're there, if they're making the lures that, catch catfish, if they're making products that are specifically for catfishing, that's when it's coming along. That's when it's moving the right direction. That's that's when you're seeing advertising money, you know, more sponsors, bigger sponsors coming along. Um, that's part of it. Yeah, that's very true. You know, it, they're not all going to be, you know, the next great catfish biting, you know, doe bait or whatever. It's going to be there's going to be some crap in there, and that's just, again, that's a part of it. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. What is it, Jeff? If you you got to find old Sad Daddy. If you can figure out a way to market old Sad Daddy, you'll be home free. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's going to get on TV. It's going to get good. I mean, I ordered the, uh, I've been wanting to order it for a while. I got that uh, Catfishing Dream Team. Uh, video from Stout Video Productions. Pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, and these guys are the guys who need us to order videos from them so they can make money to go out and do more stuff. And it's going to be guys like these who's going to end up having the show on TV. So when things like this enter the market, it, you know, it's up to every catfisherman to try to do what he can to support this person because, you know, um, on this on the first DVD that he made, he probably didn't even make any money on it. Oh, I doubt uh, it. So he, he's just doing it to try to get a start, and, you know, and, and try to start making these and probably trying to do more. I mean, he started a production company. Um, you know, he, he's got a, the LLC probably. He went through all that and made a video. So, <clears throat> you know, support these guys. They're out doing stuff like this, and that's how the supports the sport's going to grow more and more. These guys, like these guys got connections. They know they know the Bill Dance producers, you know, productions. They know all these other fish and show guys, and, you know, they're the ones that can get us where we need to be also. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're we're about an hour and ten minutes, so go ahead and close it out. And you got anything to close on there, Chuck? Um, I just want to remind everybody we got the uh, Daniel and the Alabama Catfish Trails has a tournament on uh, Lake Wilson uh, this coming Saturday from seven to four, uh, putting in at Safety Harbor, which is really close to Wheeler Dam. Um, and, and two weeks away is going to be the Pickwick Wilson uh, Sheffield Cabela's tournament. So th this would be a very good time for you to come pre-fish Wilson 
because um, even though Cabela's is putting in at Pickwick, you're going to be able to lock through uh, to Wilson if you want to, and it's a very short lake, so this would be a good chance to do some pre-fishing also. All right, uh, Christopher Dunway wants to know if you can if you can type in on the chat there where he might be able to get that video at. You can let everybody know. Okay. But uh, Lyle. Well, I just want to remind everybody that uh, first Twisted Cat Outdoor Tournament will be March 21st. The other one was canceled due to bad weather conditions. So uh, come on down and join us. Hundred dollar entry fee. Uh, Seven o'clock launch. Three o'clock weigh in. Should be a great time. We're getting a lot of people really wanting to get out and do some fishing, and this weather is really going to make that explode, I think. So uh, it'd be nice to see a big crowd down there and everybody catch a bunch of fish. I know they're putting a lot of fish in the boat. Uh, I'm not hearing great weights, but lots and lots of fish. And uh, by the time it rolls around, people have found in biggins, and it'll be it'll be a great great show. So come see us. Uh, I haven't heard the re- the final on uh, the Kansas City Catfish Tournament that was held down at the Lake uh, Ozark this last weekend. We didn't get to make it. We had, I had some company come in, and, and uh, we, we didn't get to go. But um, I don't know much else about it at all other than uh, I seen somebody that got uh, – might have been Chris Jones that placed somewhere out of the top five or around the top five. Um, that's about all I know. I haven't really heard or seen too much out of it. I don't know how the fishing was. I do know some guys that was fishing the Missouri River, and they, they got into some really good fish over the weekend, too. So uh, get out and get going. This warm weather is going to get everybody stirred up, and, and the tournaments will start back up, and the guys going out fun fishing will be out every weekend or through the week if they're retired or whatever. And uh, We're going to start seeing lots of pictures of good fish here really, really soon. All right. Um, again, we want to apologize for last week. We know that we had the technical difficulties. It wasn't our fault. Uh, that was with uh, Google Hangouts. Uh, we've been doing this for about a year, and that was the first first uh, real um, problem that Google Hangouts has had. So, uh, well, maybe first or second, but very few for a year long going on. Um, so, again, we apologize for that. Um, there is more advertising spots available on the website. Um, you know, you see how much they are. I got the little advertisement on there, $50 for six months, $30 for three months. Um, if you're interested in any of those, get a hold of me. Um, also this March 21st for the ICA, there's the, uh, Turtle Creek Reservoir. That's the one that I was telling you might have, it'll probably have over 120 boats. Um, normally about every year that's only a $10 per boat entry fee uh, Hoosier Energy adds $2,750 to that tournament and it pays out 25 places normally uh, first place being $750 and then going down from there um, I'm planning on being that that again with my wife this year we got second place last year hopefully we can we're only out of it by two ounces last year hopefully we can do what we did and do a repeat maybe even get first place this year um, I look forward to seeing anybody out there that wants to come out. I'm sorry I didn't talk a lot. I felt pretty bad this show. Um, and congrats again to uh, Slackline Catter for placing his order with Whiskerware last week and getting his free hoodie along with his order. Um, also, thanks to, let me see real quick, 
I know somebody posted it while I was Robert Tallman. Yeah, Robert Jackson. I'm sorry. Robert Jackson posted a picture while we were doing the show of his wife wearing uh, the Whisker Wear hoodie. So thank you for posting that on our timeline. Like I said, we, we love seeing uh, things like this. Um, so uh, thanks again, everybody. Uh, until next week, if you do go out fishing, uh, there is a lot of snow melt. Rivers are, are popping up pretty high. They're going to be pretty unsafe. So try to stay safe and use, uh, use the common sense. And if it ain't worth being out there, don't get out there. Um, you know, I know... You probably won't, if you if you you're like me you want to be out there I'd I'd love to be fishing right now I yeah, really you want, like you need to be I know I think that's the only thing that's gonna make me feel better <laughs> right now <laughs> <laughs> fishing yeah yeah man that's cures all yeah so until next time guys make sure if you do go fishing just stay out of my spot don't go to it don't.